0: Today, I will be sharing with you the intriguing tales of four English monarchs, each shrouded in the mysteries of their untimely and enigmatic deaths. One met his end by a dagger thrust into his back. Another perished abruptly after drinking a cup of mead, succumbing to violent convulsions. A third monarch was fatally struck by an arrow during a routine hunting expedition, another died with no explanation in any sources. However, after his death, his body was beheaded and then thrown into the River Thames, conveying foul play. In each case, the culprits responsible for these regicides remain obscured by the shadows of history. Regicide, the heinous act of slaying a king, has always been met with the most severe of punishments. Yet, The identities of these assassins remain a mystery. This is the story of four English kings who mysteriously met tragic ends. Edward the Martyr was a king mainly remembered for his untimely murder when he was around 16 years old. This is his story. Edward was born in the year 962, some 30 years after the establishment of the Kingdom of England. His father was King Edgar, a pious man who supported the English Benedictine reform. The fanaticism regarding Christianity at this point had reached new heights, and the king and his loyal reformers would seek to replace the monks in the monasteries, many of whom were married as they were not monastics. They were to be replaced with celibate monks following the rule of Saint Benedict, However, in his quest, the king would overstep. He would confiscate property from the local elites to establish his new monasteries, leaving many lords and noblemen angry with the crown. Regarding Edward's early life, he would have grown up during a relatively peaceful time in English history. There are many disputed sources about his mother, according to one source, Edward's mother was a nun at Wilton Abbey whom the king seduced. However, all modern historians say his mother was a woman called Ethelfled, the daughter of a noble, and that she probably died shortly after his birth. But Edgar would remarry a noblewoman named Elfrith. She bore two sons, Edmund, who died shortly after his birth, and Ethelred. She was the only wife of Edgar to receive a coronation, and became the first official Queen of England. She would become a powerful political figure due to her newly acquired status. However, Edgar's earthly journey came to a close at the tender age of 32, in the year 975. His final resting place was amongst the hallowed grounds of Glastonbury Abbey, the burial place of his father. The succession to the throne was disputed between the supporters of his two surviving sons, Edward, who was around fourteen at the time and was nearly a man, and Ethelred, who was around six. Ethelred had the powerful backing from his mother and her ally, Bishop Ethelwold of Winchester, who was one of the leaders of the monastic reform, but Edgar's eldest son, Edward, had the support of Dunstan. The Archbishop of Canterbury and Ethelwine, the Elderman of East Anglia, together they made their case to the Witten for Edward to be king. Less than a fortnight after Edgar's death, Edward was unanimously chosen as king. He was crowned by the Archbishop of Canterbury and would ascend to the throne. The new young King of England would suffer the aftermath of his father's rule with his staunch support of the English benedictine reform. Many nobles did not support the late king's reforms, and during Edward's reign, the lords would launch attacks on monasteries, resulting in much tension around the country. The Anglo-Saxon Chronicle reports, The Commonwealth of the entire realm was shaken. Bishops were perplexed, eldermen were angry, monks were struck with fear, and the people were terrified. In the year 976, the same chronicle reads, This year was the great famine among the English nation. Although England was going through a relatively peaceful period, the common people were starving, the nobles were enraged, with their lands having been taken by Edward's father Edgar, and no doubt, many lords would seek to control the new young impressionable king. This may not have been possible, however, as the monk Bertfirth portrays Edward as an unstable and violent young man. In his chronicle it reads, Edward struck not only fear, but terror into everyone. He hounded them with not only tongue lashes, but even with cruel beatings, and most of those were members of his own household. So Edward was perhaps an aggressive, hot-tempered king, and during his rule, there was mass hunger, civil unrest, and the noblemen of England were unhappy, strongly condemning the Benedictine reform by Edward's father, which had continued. The Lord saw it as corrupt, due to some of their territories being taken or bought at low prices, for monasteries to be built there. In the year 978, Edward would journey to Corfe Castle, to visit his younger brother Ethelred, the monk Bertfirth recounts the tale. One day towards the evening, the remarkable and elected king, seeking the consolidations of brotherly love, arrived at the house where his beloved brother was living with the dowager queen. As we have said, the magnates and leading men went with him, as was only fitting. Ethelred remained inside with the dowager queen, his mother. Those magnates had agreed among themselves a wicked plot. They were possessed of so damnable an intention, and so murky and diabolical a blindness, that they did not fear lay hands on God's anointed. Armed men surrounded him on all sides. The venerable king had with him very few soldiers, since he did not suspect anyone He was strong in body, and sturdy, for when the conspirators surrounded him, he remained sitting on his horse fearless. They were seized with a single madness, an equal insanity. The soldiers laid hold of him, one on his right hand side drew him towards him, as if he wished to give him a kiss. Another grabbed his left side firmly, and gave him the death blow. And the king shouted out as best he could, What are you doing? Breaking my right hand? And suddenly he fell from his horse and was dead. Bertfirth reflects the killing of Edward as a planned assassination by wealthy lords of England. William of Malmesbury, however, the foremost English historian of the twelfth century, paints another picture. Edward was coming back tired from hunting breathless, and thirsty from his exertions. On his arrival, his stepmother, with a woman's wiles distracted his attention, and with a kiss of welcome, offered him a drink. As he greedily drank it, she had him pierced with a dagger by one of her servants. Wounded mortally by the blow, he summoned up what breath he had left, and spurred his horse to join the rest of the party. But one foot slipped, and he was dragged through byways by the other, leaving streams of blood as a clear indication of his death to those who looked for him. William conveys Elfrith, Edward's stepmother, of being behind his murder, her motivation being her own son, Ethelred to ascend to the throne. Henry of Huntingdon, an Anglo-Norman historian, describes a similar narrative. Edward the King, was treasonably slain by his own family at Corf Gate. It is reported that his stepmother, that is, the mother of the king Ethelred, stabbed him with a dagger while she was in the act of offering him a cup to drink. This account shockingly says that Elfrith slew the king herself. She most certainly had the most to gain out of his death, as her son Ethelred was not yet old enough to rule, and would need a regent to govern the kingdom in his stead. With Elfrith being the Dowager Queen, the first official Queen of England, and the mother to the future king, she would become the Queen Regent. Edward died in the year 978, and Ethelred came of age in the year 984, giving her six years as the most powerful person in the kingdom, and security, With her son becoming king another theory is that the english benedictine reform combined with the nationwide famine resulted in much tension amongst the lords and peasants alike seeking them to turn on their king and kill him and the final thought is that edward's death was an accident from a brawl with the young king being a violent and unstable man he could have gotten into a fight and simply been mortally wounded. However, the most well-known and treacherous storyline is the betrayal by his own stepmother Elfrith. Nevertheless, the truth behind this regicide is a mystery that has been lost to the annals of time. Edward would be venerated as a saint after his death, even though during his life, he was described as being known for extreme violence. Nevertheless, his feast day is on the 18th of March and is still listed in the feastal calendar book of the Book of Common Prayer of the Church of England. Next we have Harold Harefoot, who was born in the 11th century. He was the son of Canute the Great, who had taken the whole nation of England as his own in the year 1016, the year of Harold's birth. His mother was Elfgifu of Northampton. She had married Canute during the war, in order to seal the loyalty of the Danelaw and Northumbria. However, after Canute's conquest of England in the year 1016, Canute married Emma of Normandy, the widow of King Ethelred. At the time, the societal norms deemed it permissible to put aside one wife, and take another if the first wife was acquired through the non-Christian pagan ceremony of hand-fasting, typically, such decisions were motivated by political considerations. Canute and his new wife, Emma of Normandy, would have a son called Harth Canute. Many sources suggest that their marriage was an affectionate one, and that Emma was deeply involved in politics at the time. A young Harold would grow up in the shadow of his father Canute, who would unite England, Denmark, and Norway, creating the North Sea Empire. Harold also had an older brother called Sven, who was granted the regency of Norway at the age of fourteen. Harold, no doubt, would have been jealous and turned to his training. He gained the epithet "Harefoot" in Old English, this would be "fleet of foot. Which means fast. The name stuck, and Harold would be remembered to history as Harold Harefoot. His father Canute would die in the year 1035, as would his older brother Svein, making Harold the eldest of Canute's living sons. Many chroniclers note that the English throne was reserved for Canute, the son of Canute and Emma of Normandy. However, Harthacnut was in Denmark when his father died. Harald's mother Elfgifu argued for her own son to be the next king of England, and Harthacnut could not travel to England, as Denmark was under invasion by the king of Sweden. England's lords and the Witten proposed the idea of installing Harald as a temporary king due to Harthacnut's absence. There is even evidence of Elfgifu bribing noblemen in order to secure her son's position, gaining support of the aristocrats and having them swear oaths of loyalty to herself and her son. Harold Harefoot would ascend to the throne as the King of England, while his brother Harthacnut ascended to the throne of Denmark. According to the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle, this is what transpired after Canute the Great's death. It reads... This year, Harold was chosen king over all, and Harthacnut was forsaken, because he stayed too long in Denmark. Emma of Normandy would remain in Winchester. However, the new king Harold soon sent his soldiers to the estate of his stepmother Emma. He had her stripped of all her wealth, and took all of his late father's best treasures, thinking them his. Now he was king. Nothing of note happened during Harold's reign, except the murder of Alfred Etheling, who was the son of Emma of Normandy, and the late King of England of the Wessex line, Ethelred the Unready, who died before Canute the Great took the kingdom of England during the war with his son, and Alfred's older brother, Edmund Ironside. Alfred was an exile in Normandy campaigning to regain his family's lost crown. As the throne had passed from the line of Wessex to the line of Danish kings, Alfred Etheling disembarked on the Sussex coast, accompanied by a retinue of Norman mercenaries, aiming to journey to London. Unfortunately, his plan was thwarted when he was double-crossed and apprehended by Earl Godwin of Wessex. Subsequently, he was subjected to a grim fate, blindness. The effects of this cruel act were fatal, and he died not long after. The monk Saint Omer wrote in his chronicle that the capture, torture and death was completely due to Harold Harefoot, ridding himself of another rival to the throne by killing Alfred. After the death of her son, Emma of Normandy would flee from England, to the court of her son Harthacnut, fearing for her life. Together, they assembled a huge host of Viking ships in order to invade England in the year 1039. But just as Harthacnut was preparing his invasion forces, Harold suddenly died, still young, in the year 1040. The mysterious case of Harold's death is unknown. Many historians attribute his death to an illness, The anglo-saxon chronicle simply reports that he died and does not say why nevertheless what happened after his death is important after harold was buried in westminster abbey his body was removed from its burial site beheaded and thrown into a sewer off the river thames hardly a fitting end for a king harold's death remains an enigma the lack of contemporary reports suggests he could have died from natural causes. Could his murder of Alfred Etheling have enraged the Anglo-Saxon loyalists, or did Harthacnut and Emma of Normandy have him swiftly assassinated before their invasion? It remains a mystery. After the desecration of Harold Hereford's body, his half-brother Harthacnut would assume the throne being now the King of England and Denmark, at the age of 22 years old. His reign, however, was marred by controversy and heavy-handed rule. During his reign, he doubled the size of the English fleet, partly so that he had a force capable of dealing with trouble elsewhere in his empire. To pay for it, he severely increased the rate of taxation, the increase coincided with a poor harvest, causing severe hardship. In the year 1041, two of his tax gatherers were so harsh in dealing with people in and around Worcester, that the common people rioted and killed the tax gatherers. Canute reacted by imposing the then legal but very unpopular punishment, known as harrying. He ordered his earls to burn down the town and kill the population. This conveys him as a tyrannical ruler, who didn't have the people's best interests. His efforts to strengthen his grip on power often involved ruthless tactics, which further alienated his subjects. The Earl of Northumbria during Harthacnut's reign was Siward, but Earl Eadwulf of Bambra ruled with semi-independence a situation which did not please Harthacnut. In the year 1041, Earl Eadwulf gave offence to the king for an unknown reason, but then sought reconciliation. Harthacnut promised him safe conduct, but then colluded in his murder by Siward, who became the Earl of the whole of Northumbria, and took Edwulf's lands. According to the Anglo-Saxon chronicle, Harthacnut betrayed Eadwulf while under his protection, labeling King Harthacnut as an oathbreaker. In the year 1041, Harthacnut invited his half-brother Edward, the son of Æthelred the Unready and Emma of Normandy, back from exile and made him his heir, wanting to form a closer bond with his half-brothers from the house of Wessex. A year later, On the 8th of June in the year 1042, King Harthacnut attended a wedding. The groom was a wealthy lord called Tovi the Proud. It was set to be a lavish event, with the King of England in attendance. During the wedding feast, the king would drink large amounts of alcohol, and as he was drinking to the health of the bride, he would collapse and die. According to the Anglo-Saxon chronicle, this is what transpired. As he stood at his drink, he suddenly fell to the earth with a terrible convulsion, and then they who were close by took hold of him, and after that spoke not one word. It remains unknown if Hathakanut died from being poisoned, however, the evidence points to this, as he fell with a convulsion as soon as he drained his cup then died a sign of poisoning another theory is he could have died from a stroke brought on by a huge intake of alcohol according to the anglo-saxon chronicle he did nothing worthy of a king as long as he ruled he was also known as an oath breaker making it much more likely for him to be killed by one of his subjects as someone's character in medieval times was judged on their word. The person who had the most to gain from Harthacnut's death was his successor and half-brother, Edward, who became remembered to history as Edward the Confessor. But he is remembered as a traditionally pious king. Harthacnut's death also could have been part of a plot from either Danish or Anglo-Saxon nobility, However, there are so many players that could have been behind his death that the killer has remained a mystery to this day. Whatever the case, all it took was one cup to end one of the most powerful Viking dynasties in history. After Harthacnut's death, the throne was left to his half-brother on his mother's side, Edward the Confessor, ending the rule of Viking kings of England and the reign of the kings, returned to the house of Wessex. Upon the death of Edward the Confessor, England would be plunged into a state of war. From the ashes rose William the Conqueror, who took the whole land for himself at the Battle of Hastings in 1066. The Normans were now the masters of England. William the Conqueror had four sons, Robert, Richard, William, and the youngest was Henry. Richard was the second oldest son, and would die in a hunting accident while riding into an overhanging branch. William was now the second eldest son. Little is known of William's childhood, but he was born in the year 1056, and was educated by Lanfrac, the Archbishop of Canterbury. One story of William's childhood is reported. William and Henry, having grown bored with casting dice, decided to make mischief by emptying a chamber pot onto their brother Robert from an upper gallery, thus infuriating and shaming him. A brawl broke out, and their father had to intercede to restore order. William was described as a muscular man, and built similarly to his father. He had a florid complexion and flame-coloured hair, for which he would get the nickname Rufus. He also had mismatched eyes, both being a different colour. William's older brother Robert would rebel against their father the Conqueror, attempting to seize the castle of the Rouen. The siege failed, and the king ordered Robert's arrest. Robert then went into exile, and spent several years travelling throughout France, Germany, and Flanders, as a wandering knight. In the year 1087, William the Conqueror would lay on his deathbed, and decided how his sons would inherit his kingdom. His eldest son, Robert, was made into the Duke of Normandy. His second surviving son, William Rufus, was made the King of England. William's first act as king was to distribute part of the royal treasury to the monasteries, churches, and the poor, for the benefit of his father's soul. Rebellion would soon break out, in favour of his older brother Robert, now the Duke of Normandy to be king. He was supported by his powerful uncles, Otto, Bishop of Bayeux, and Robert of Mortain. The king received strong support from his English subjects, And retook the rebel strongholds of Rochester and Tunbridge. Rufus would then invade Normandy in the year 1091, taking large areas of the dukedom from Robert. However, peace was eventually made between the warring sons of the conqueror. Unlike the Norm of his era, William II was not a devout follower of the church. Instead, He was a sceptic when it came to religious matters, and held no respect for the church. He incurred the church's wrath due to his open homosexuality, his open disdain for religion, and his refusal to marry, which led to him having no children. During his reign, male fashions took a turn towards the extravagant and effeminate, which deeply displeased church officials. However, Although some historians note him as having little or no religious morality or social graces, and being addicted to every kind of vice, he was respected as a victorious general in battle. In the year 1091, William Rufus successfully repelled a military incursion led by King Malcolm III of Scotland, compelling Malcolm to acknowledge his supremacy and pay homage. The anglo-saxon chronicle shines william rufus in an unfavorable light reading he was very harsh and fierce in his rule over his realm and towards his followers and all his neighbors and very terrifying influenced by the advice of evil counselors which was always gratifying to him and by his own covetousness he was continually exasperating this nation with depredations and unjust taxes. In his days, therefore, righteousness declined, and every evil of every kind towards God and man put its head up. Everything that was hateful to God and to righteous men was the daily practice in the land during his reign. Therefore, he was hated by almost all his people and abhorrent to God. Around 13 years into the reign of King William II, he went on a hunt in the New Forest in southern England. While hunting with his party, the king was unexpectedly shot with an arrow through his chest and died. The Anglo-Saxon Chronicle simply reports, he died in the midst of his unrighteousness, without repentance or any reparation made for his evil deeds. He was slain on a thursday and buried the next morning there is also another version of the tale where the king is killed by a nobleman named walter tyrrell according to william of Malmesbury, the king went into the forest he was attended by a few persons walter tyrrell remained with him while the others were on the chase the sun was now declining when the king drawing his bow and letting fly an arrow, slightly wounded the stag which passed before him. The stag was still running. The king followed it a long time with his eyes, holding up his hand to keep off the power of the sun's rays. At this instant, Walter decided to kill another stag. Oh gracious God! The arrow pierced the king's breast. On receiving the wound, the king uttered not a word but breaking off the shaft of the arrow where it projected from his body. This accelerated his death. Walter immediately ran up, but as he found himself senseless, he leaped upon his horse and escaped with the utmost speed. Indeed, there were none to pursue him. Some helped his flight, others felt sorry for him. The king's body was placed on a cart, and conveyed to the cathedral at Winchester. Blood dripped from the body all the way. He was buried within the tower. The next year, the tower fell down. William Rufus died in the year 1100, aged 40 years. He was a man much pitied by the clergy. He had a soul which they could not save. He was loved by his soldiers, but hated by the people, because he caused them to be plundered chroniclers at the time say Walter was a keen bowman and was therefore unlikely to loose such a shot pointing to the death of the king as an assassination william rufus's younger brother henry was also among the hunting party henry would ride with haste to winchester to secure the treasury and was then crowned the king of england shortly after the incident so Henry had the most to gain from his brother's death, but accidents like this were common at Hunts. So was this simply an accidental misfortune, or a political assassination by kin? Edward the Martyr was stabbed in the back. Harold Harefoot died mysteriously, and his body was then beheaded and thrown into a sewer. Harthacnut drained his cup, had a terrible convulsion, and fell to the floor and died, a likely suspect being poison, and William Rufus was killed by his own hunting party with an arrow to the chest. Who was really behind the deaths of these kings of England? Let me know your thoughts in the comments section down below. I hope you all enjoyed the video, if you did, make sure to like, subscribe and share, and I'll see you all soon for another... History street profile